This is a Sydney EO production. Welcome to episode 21 of the Sydney EO Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and tonight I am joined with Lisa Andrews. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Now, I'm not quite sure how to introduce you because you've actually got lots of things happening, um, lots of businesses and fingers in different pies. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing now, and then we might reverse back into how you got there. Okay. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know how to introduce myself at the moment. Wait, well, look, why don't we start right at the, right at the uh, you were saying in the next seven days you're off to Necker Island to uh, judge a contest hosted by Richard Branson. So that might be a great place to start. Absolutely. T- tell us what you're doing there. So I am off to Necker Island to judge the Extreme Tech Challenge, which is Richard Branson's competition uh, along with Bill Tai, which they're looking for... Uh, ideas and businesses that can literally change the world. Wow. And this isn't your first time. It's actually your second time going. So you must have done something right the first time. Tell us about why you've been invited back. What what happened the first time? Yeah, absolutely. The first <laughs> time, actually, it was a complete fluke that I ended up judging the competition. So I was invited there uh, to actually just go to Necker Island. It's part of a group called Actai, which is uh, run by Bill Tai. And I was, as a guest on Necker Island... And somehow found myself spending probably about five hours almost one-on-one with Richard Branson or in small groups having conversations. And after probably our third conversation, half an hour later, I was invited to be a judge of the Extreme Tech Challenge. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah. And has that been, has that sort of shaped, like, when was it, when was it the last time you went? Was it last year or a couple of years ago? It was October last year. Oh, right. Okay. And so since October, I have learnt to kite surf and I have, uh, have few bruises and good superwoman stories. I would have thought he'd had a a private plane to take you to Necker Island. You have to kite surf across to Oh, it'd be nice if it was on a private plane. <laughs> it would probably take a little while to kite surf, considering it takes, I think it's about 30 hours to get there right. from here. Okay, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, so... Yeah, so you you say you've, you've it's only been October and you're already going back for the for the second round. Yeah, and one of the most interesting things that I love, and now that I can say that I'm a kite surfer, which you know, if you think about when I was setting my goals in the beginning of 2018, would I ever put on there that um, I was going to meet Richard Branson and become a kite surfer? Um, probably not. Uh, so, so my intentions now are sort of go with the flow and, and ride the waves. And I was exposed to this incredible community where um, kite surfing is actually aligned and compared to business strategy and how you approach business and so I turn up to Necker Island and I'm like yep okay I'm going to kite surf and um, Bill explains that you know the way that you approach kite surfing is sometimes similar to the way you approach business and so when you're actually trying it's harder to pick up but then it's easier to get good at and I kept listening to my thoughts and how I was actually approaching it and I think it was on the second or the third day I'd been out twice and I could hardly move my arms and I was pretty exhausted and I said to myself I was like you know I can't do it yet but I'll die trying 
And I went, uh oh, <laughs> how does that show up in my business? And it's yeah. like, you know, people say you need grit. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's how I've got to where I am. Yeah. Um, and then the second time I went kite surfing, we went to West Tech Fest in Perth and ended up with, you know, all my kite gear. I went and I bought all the stuff and I turned up with it in plastic and I said, hey guys, I'm coming too. And driving up and down the coast of Exmouth uh, on the um, Western Australia coast with Bill Tai uh, and Austin Stewart in a car, the three of us, and talking about business and strategy and you know I've got my kite in my plastic and I'm just like I'm, I'm coming to and you know out in the ocean and having a go. So it sounds like you're surrounded by some amazing business minds how has that affected I guess the day-to-day of what you're doing? Because it must be really inspirational I'd imagine. Completely changed my entire view on the world. Yep. So in the last six months you know if I look back a year ago I was running a boutique advisory firm in Newcastle, Newcastle, Sydney, and we're available um, across Australia and some international. To now, I'm running global impact challenges and um, you know talking about the, the future and you know how we can all have a positive impact on the world. Yeah. So, do you have like a like a go to day to day business which is your main source of income, or is it spread across a few different businesses? So I've been structuring things so that I have partners in different areas to be able to help manage and maintain like fast growth and quantum leap just purely because I'm having this huge quantum leap at the moment. So traditionally up until... um, So just before we go on, for people that don't know what quantum leap is, tell us about that forum. How, How does that work? It's for larger businesses and that are, um, having fast growth or okay. in, in a bit so so when you say larger businesses it is it is it a 15 million plus turnover is that yes. how it works yeah okay cool and you meet once a quarter because you're so bloody busy that would be about the maximum <laughs> yeah pretty much and we're all over so yeah. we've got members in our forum from new zealand from melbourne from perth from queensland okay brilliant brilliant and so where when, when was the last time you guys met i actually missed the last oh, one I, know, I can't say that all right. Bad question. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just to, to um, look back, so uh, I have one business, Ignite Alliance, yep. that's 100% owned by myself, right. yep. and yep. I've been splitting that out into uh, Ignite Innovation, which is our grants business, Ignite Finance, which is our finance business, Ignite Consulting, which is our consulting business. Okay. And then I have this brand new business, which is uh, Singularity U Australia. So it's yep. Singularity University and we have the licence for Australia, which is with a, a business partner, Christina Gerakides. And it's going from zero to a $10 million turnover in the next 16 months. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. All, uh, all just like that. Yes. So, what, so what's, driving, like, what's driving the revenue behind that business to such rapid growth? Like, it's uh, owning the license for Singularity yep. University in Australia. Okay. So here we call it Singularity U instead of Singularity University because we're not an accredited university. Gotcha. And so it's Singularity yeah. U. Yep. And essentially we bought the license to run Global Impact Challenges and then the Global Summit in October and uh, the country partnership. So we're in the final stages now of nutting out the details and the business plan for that. But essentially, we're going to be able to run all of the programs that Singularity University run in uh, in America at the NASA Ames campus here in Australia. So do you think like traditional universities are sort of like knowledge is moving that fast that they're maybe not quick enough on their feet to 
get the courses? Is it a course that, that single Singularity U offers or is it? Yeah, how, I don't think do that's you, the case how, at how all. Do you, how do you learn? I absolutely love the universities and I don't want to get into the, yeah, um, you know, yeah, the, yeah, the, the politics of, yeah. of the different courses that they offer, but our, oh, sorry, and our, our curriculum Oh, sorry, let me start back. Um, the We partner with universities. Okay. And a lot okay, of our faculty it. for Singularity University are professors from the different universities and then also business leaders in different areas. So it's a really collaborative environment on how we can all work together. So, so it's like current – I'm just trying to get to the bottom of what you're learning through sing, that that Singularity U. Is it is it current information or is it uh, – So we have several different okay, programs. Yeah, yeah, give us an example of a program. Maybe that's the best way to explain it. I'll, yeah, I'll start with the ones we're doing okay. in Australia. So okay. the Global Impact Challenge was the first licence that we got. And yep. essentially we're looking for uh, moonshot ideas that can have a positive impact on a billion people in the next 10 years. Awesome. So the mission is to educate, empower and inspire entrepreneurs to use exponential technology to solve humanity's grand challenges. And when I talk about the global grand challenges, we have 12 global grand challenges from Singularity University, we founded 10 years ago, and we published them just before the UN Sustainable Development Goals came out. Mm-hmm. But they're very closely aligned, and we reference both. So whilst we have 12, the UN SDGs, there's 17, but they're more specific on these goals, whereas our grand challenges are water, environment, security, uh, health, and they're more broad categories of we have challenges in these areas, how are we are all going to collectively solve them. So yep. it's like putting that sort of moonshot up and yeah. having profit with purpose of how we can all work together to solve the world's challenges. So if you're an entrepreneur, you pay to go in this program and with your idea, is that? No, so we've just run a national tour of Australia for pitch competitions. Okay, so, so it's, it's more like a comp- it's like a uh, like an Australian idol for entrepreneurs or something like that, but with a with a global, I don't know, yeah, so uh, it's an impact-focused pitch yeah, competition. Yeah, yeah, so they're not pitching it. for money, they're pitching for impact. Gotcha. And so we've just run that now, which is almost the lead generation into our global startup program. Yep. So it's kind of top of funnel. And we had 65 people apply. We had a whole heap of live pitches. And um, the, the winner is Marine Futures Lab, who are looking to count all the fish in the ocean oh. for seafood abundance or seafood security. So... They are two professors from the University of Western Australia. They've got a technology where they're actually um, capturing a lot of video footage from big blue marine parks at the moment. And what they're saying is the fish numbers have declined over the, like the peak fish was in the 90s. And so with the reduction in seafood abundance, it's going to potentially create some problems because 30% of the world's population rely on fish for protein. And then also if the fish in, um, in some of the third world countries, if the fish abundance uh, lowers, then there's potential for slavery and for all sorts mm. of economic problems in those countries. And a lot of money gets put into ocean conservation and projects in in the ocean, but are we actually tracking if they're working or not? Yep. So we've been collaborating with Cisco and with a whole heap of different people to be able to give them and help them with the exponential technology so that in the next five to ten years we can know in real time the amount of fish that are in the ocean and their levels and like you know what's actually happening yeah so it's kind of like that really impact focused global grand challenge yeah wow this is a problem how do we fix it and we had so we had 13 people in the grand final and there were so many fantastic ideas and businesses that are actually already getting traction to solve the global grand challenges and then so if you win a competition like that i guess it just gives you exposure to some amazing minds that can maybe leverage your or commercialize your idea or it's not it's not really about commercialization though isn't it it's more about impact 
it's about impact, but that's got a commercialization aspect because we want yep. to have profit with purpose and it needs to be a sustainable model to get out to the world. Yep. So that goes into our program that we're running, the Global Startup Program. Yep. So the scholarship was to our Global Startup Program, which is four weeks of Activate and then four weeks of Accelerate to be able to really refine the exponential technology use. So, for example, with the um, fish abundance, it's going to be looking at how we can actually even gamify it so marine biology students around the world can help train a machine learning to be able to mm. count the fish. Wow. So it's, quite, it's, it's really cool. Big, big ideas, amazing. Yeah, and then we accelerate and we can give them access to capital. The one thing that I love about our programs and the Global Startup Program is that we don't take any equity. So when you look at other pitch competitions and, and accelerators, there's typically equity involved, but we just really want to have impact. Yeah, so, the so it sounds Startup, like it's really the right, you know, the right hand on heart, you can say, really helping people. Yes. And helping the world as well. Yes. Amazing. Totally. Yeah. And so then we're running the summit in October, which is more of an ex- executive, CEOs and uh, people, uh, even like students. We want to have a mix of everybody in the room to be able to have some great speakers come in and look at how what the future of Australia looks like and create that vision of, you know, in 20 years' time, what does Australia look like and the storyboard and vision board of that so that then all the parties can, and people of influence can all hmm. work together and collaborate to help create that future. Has the government put their hand up yet to get involved? Yes, absolutely. Oh, so wow. we, we had meetings with uh, DFAT in Sydney, uh, sorry, in Canberra last week, CSIRO are behind us and a whole heap of, um, yeah, we're having really great conversations. And so that's probably a nice segue into your grants business, the Ignite Grants, is that Ignite Innovation. Ignite Innovation, right. Yeah. But you've got the grants department. Yeah, so it's a grants division. So tell us how that works because I know there's obviously a lot of uh, business people out there listening to the show that maybe have got an idea. How does that how does that service work if you've got an idea and you're looking for some kind of government support or funding or Yeah, so we take businesses of all sizes and help demystify the grants process. So what I've found and um, being a chartered accountant by trade, but please don't share that. <laughs> Just thought you slipped that one in, yeah. <laughs> uh, we we found that um, there's a lot of specialists in different grants, and you know, b- being a business owner myself, there's a lot of people that'll do just do R and D, or they'll just do export grants, or they'll just do different grants. And so we created a almost triage or like a, a service to look for grants for businesses. And ideally, they've already got a business. If they don't, then we can help give them advice to get them to the stage um, that they can get access to more funding. But we look at the landscape as a whole of federal, state, and then other grants Mm -hmm. and sort of all the different money that a business might be eligible for and then sort of divide it by what's eligibility-based versus merit-based and then do the heavy lifting to help people get access to them. So I'm interested to hear, like, if you've already got a successful business, does that set you up more likely to attract funding or grants than somebody that's just got a startup idea? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. proven track record counts for It depends on the type of grants though as well and sometimes, you know, like with the R&D grant, it's like you've already spent money yeah, on R&D sure. so you get more back kind of thing. So there's just more available, whereas a startup they might get the minimum viable product or they might get some other small pockets of funding to help them get out there but they're essential to, to like you know when you're yeah. a startup and you don't have funding they're great yeah but then the access to more funding comes when you've got a bigger business so for example the entrepreneurs program you have to have a turnover of over 1.5 million dollars to be eligible and you automatically um, if you're in a 
the eligibility criteria, get access to a free business review, and then twenty thousand dollars dollar for dollar to help you grow. And so oh, that's okay. like a, a kind of a larger business. Yeah. Availability of money. What what's the what's the most you've been able to like say for a business that didn't realise that they could get a grant? Have you got any stories where you know you're able to uncover a pocket of gold that maybe the business owner didn't know about? Yes, definitely. And we find that a lot. So even just R&D, there's only 17,000 businesses applied in the 2017 financial year, if you think about the number of businesses that are out there. Drop in the ocean. So a lot of times people will pre-qualify themselves out as, you know, they won't be eligible or they don't have the time. Yeah. So by us doing the heavy lifting, we sort of take away the we don't have the time, and then the um, you know the actual. Um, so you identify where the opportunity is, and then do you write the grant yes. process? Oh wow! Okay, so yeah. that really is a heavy lifting. Yeah. So so some of the stories, you know, one business we ended up getting them about five hundred thousand dollars back on money they'd already spent yep. that they didn't know yeah, that wow. they'd have access to, and there's there's quite a few like that. Yeah. Do you yeah. then have to pay tax on that money that you get back? Well, R&D comes back as a, oh, a yeah, tax, tax offset. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that one, no. Yeah. Export grant, yes. Yeah, right. Okay, so yeah. they, the government gets a discount yeah. <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So our process, when I say we do the grant writing and do all the heavy lifting, we try and minimise it to you know, sort of that two to eight hours total that a business owner or someone from their team would be need to be involved so we do it as either a workshop where they could just talk about their projects yeah. and we write the, it for them yeah. or we share a Google document with them where they can actually comment and we can collaborate depending yeah. on how people best like to. Because there's, a, re- there's a real art with, you know, tenders and proposals and grants and all of that. You've got to speak. Uh, I, I've found that the, um, you know, the assessors, they almost live on a different planet compared to being, you know, to compared to being an entrepreneur <laughs> and... It's like it's a different it's a different you know we're as foreign to them as they are to us probably yeah and if you think about it differently of what objectives are they trying to get across with the grant and writing it to to help meet them that criteria meet the criteria and yeah um, you know you don't need to it's not a marketing pitch it's yeah. a, you know they just want to tick the boxes that it meets the criteria and it will get the results that they're trying to get so if we can backtrack a little bit further um, you were saying that when you were younger you built up a an engineer it was an engineering <laughs> business it's I wouldn't have picked it but um and you and you sold it tell us about that process that sounds amazing yeah great I try and tell the story that I was a really great accountant that I convinced one of my clients to give me equity and um, there were 16 staff at the time so I came on board and at 25 helped grow the business from 16 to 82 staff in a year and a half. There was one merger and four acquisitions. I didn't know how to delegate back then, so I did a lot of it all myself, yeah. you know, like the legal process and, um, you know, everything, accounting, operations. And I ended up with five engineers as uh, business partners okay. through that process. So was that the five different owners of the businesses that you... Yes. Right, okay. Yep. So, so we came on, it was acquisition yep. through equity. Yep. 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 And, and we grew from, yeah, 16 to 82 staff. And sold in 2012 yep. uh, when I was 29. Wow. So I had a really fast learning curve on yeah. 
you know, how to actually manage that and having engineers as, as business partners, they were really great. They went out and they managed all the work and we were doing yeah. large scale process control and automation, primarily mining utilities. We wrote the reverse osmosis process for the software in the Sydney diesel plant and then, you know, really high tech stuff. So they were great out in the field and I managed everything in the office and created a team with operations, IT, HR. And so, so was that a trade sale that you did? It was. Or, and was it, it was it um, part of the strategy or did someone just unexpectedly knock on your door? There was a really great strategy and we <laughs> sold to Venture Capital uh, and now I'm actually, um, you know, launching a Venture Capital fund myself. Uh, I called it Vulture Capital for a little while right. <laughs> <laughs> because it was an no. awful process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, not as the name of your firm, surely. No, 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 this no, is who I sold oh, to. Oh, okay, Vulture um, Cap- yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so, so we actually sold to, to Venture Capital um, back at the time and it was a really awful process. There was, um, you know, a few fights with business partners and, and bits mm. and pieces. And amongst your side or amongst... Our side. Yeah, right, okay. Because yeah, uh, some really people awful. wanted to do it and others didn't. Yes, yep. and different deals and different yep. parties and whatnot and um, it ended up... Uh, and there was also uh, three or four different options where uh, two of them... No, sorry, three or four. There was three solid options yep. that wanted uh, myself and the CEO to stay involved and have an earn out for two years. Yeah. And then there was one that didn't. Yeah, well, clearly you want to go for the one that didn't, right? Yeah, so, so did I get the best deal? Nah. Okay, okay. But are you happy with what you learned along the way? And Oh, my goodness. The learnings like and the process has been so invaluable for everything I've done since. Yeah, 100%. And then helping my clients in the consulting business of actually understanding exit strategies and yep. the best way to approach it. I don't know that I could do that without the experience that I had. Yeah, you've actually walked the walk and see what can go right or wrong and... Yes. That's, that's amazing, Lisa. Yeah, thanks. And, and, and you, um, the other thing is, of course, you saved two years of your life, which is, you know, I think for every every person I've spoken to who's exited a business, it just changes the next day once you've, you know, once it's no longer yours, then it's a different feeling. Definitely. And I had, I think it was eight, nine months off where I travelled the world, did the Tony Robbins Platinum Partners and, you know, had fantastic holidays and I was... Um, you know, not going to go back to work in a hurry, but I couldn't help myself. I started Ignite Alliance sitting in a hotel lobby in India after meditating for two weeks and helping a lady from Canada create a, a business plan, but not just a business plan, an implementation plan, yeah. and then become her CFO, and that's how Ignite was born. All right. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> sounds like you've got a lot happening there, Lisa. That's great. That's great. Um, all right. Well, I think we will start to wrap up the interview now. Um, may I ask how old you are? We can I, probably work that out <laughs> if you did the mass last time. But 36. 36. And what do you do to keep fit? Or what do you like to do to keep active? Okay, so I'm doing 100 push-ups a day for 100 days. That's my favourite challenge oh, wow. right now. It's yep. been on the bucket list for a little while. Uh, kite surfing. I love Soul Cycle when I'm in America. It's just so great. Yep. But anything outdoors and active. Now, with all this activity, how much sleep do you get each night? Not much. No. Okay. I like to say balance. I, I sleep on weekends, not so much through the week. Okay. Um, uh, do you have any personal goals that you're looking to achieve in the next 12 months? In the next 12 months? You can you can limit it just to, to one. It doesn't have to be your top one. Mastering kite surfing. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Awesome. And then finally, what um, what business achievement would you like to be most remembered for? 
solving the global grand challenges. Awesome. Okay. Now, if people want to find out a little bit more about um, what you do, Lisa, how can they find you online? Great question. <laughs> Probably the one that consolidates everything is lisaandrews.global. Okay. And then you can link through to singularityuaustralia.com and ignitealliance.com. Okay. Okay, that's amazing. And uh, just one last thing. Today's podcast is coming from the work, new uh, podcast room at Work Club down at Barangaroo. So we're the guinea pigs trying it out. Um, it seems to work pretty well. The sound sounds great. Yeah, it's great. Okay, Lisa, thanks for coming on the show. See you next time, guys.